a good move. Why you dancing? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 13, Space Gate World. Okay, it's uh, July 27th in the afternoon, and... Uh... And I think something's about to happen here. All right. Stay tuned. It's about to come. Damn it, I can't do it now. It's too much pressure. Spacegate World premiering October 24th, 2004. And we need to talk about the title on this one, First Things First. Because when it premiered, it was called Just Carl. Because this episode is about Just Carl. But on the DVD, it is called Spacegate World, and on the DVD, we have a a documentary of sorts that we will be addressing throughout this episode, where we can see them recording the voices for the episode, and in it, Dave says Spacegate World, and they're like, yeah, that's what we're going to call the episode. So they wanted to call this one Spacegate World, that's what I'm going to call it, and To me, it's a more interesting title than just Carl. So I don't think I saw this one on TV at any point. I think this is a more recent one that I've seen. But we've mentioned it in previous episodes, and I just said it here. It's about just Carl. This going back to Matt and Dave, just getting sick of writing for the Aqua Teens so much. They want to explore other things. And this kind of being like the South Park guys, they can make episodes about, say, just Randy or some of the other characters in South Park. It's the same thing here. This allows Matt and Dave to, you know, write a little bit different of an episode, but it's still, for lack of a better term, legal. It's still within the Aqua Teen world. We love Carl. We, we're happy to see an episode about him. This being less divisive than something like Hypnogerm, which is like all these kind of different new characters. This one, it's not really about the Aqua Teens, but... But it's about a character we know and love. So very excited to get into this one, yet another different kind of episode. I'm sure it was fun for Matt and Dave to write this one, fun for them to make it, and it's fun for me to cover a different kind of Aqua Teen episode focusing on one of our favorite characters. But of course, I need to mention, and I might be burying the lead here, this is our last episode of season three. So uh, I can't believe we're already through it here. This being the first season of Aqua Teen that I wasn't intimately familiar with, like the first two seasons. And I don't know why I said intimately familiar. It's like it sounds like I was like, you know, in love with those seasons. I mean, I guess I am in a way, but that was a weird choice. But yes, this being our last episode, not only of season three of Aqua Teen, but also our last 2004 episode of Aqua Teen. So because of that, Once we get to the pop culture section, I might be jumping ahead a little bit on a couple exciting things that come out shortly after Spacegate World premieres. But as you know, before we can get into Spacegate World and our pop culture, we've got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week. First up, I want to shout out just a fantastic Screen Rant interview that went up with Aqua Teen producer, editor Ned Hastings, and... 
Aqua Teen co-creator Dave Willis. And in that interview, we have the interviewer named Jason. He is clearly a fan of Aqua Teen. He's asking them some really interesting questions pertaining to the Boston event that just happened last month. We've been touching on that in the podcast. And also how the upcoming season of Aqua Teen is going, things like that. But again, it was such an enjoyable interview. It's about 27 minutes. And if you like the interviews I do on this podcast, then you'll dig this interview too. Again, Jason just clearly is a fan of the show. It's very refreshing to just see interviewers asking these more in-depth kind of questions on Aqua Teen. So it's a fun time. Link to that in the description. And speaking of interviews... Carrie Means popped up as well, being interviewed on The Five Count, which is actually, I just found out, a radio show done about an hour and a half west of where I do this podcast. So it was cool to see some other people in Minnesota talking teens here. We had just a fun interview with Carrie. Link to that in the description as well. But the exciting thing about this that I want to mention to you is Carrie, he spilled some beans in this interview, which makes it okay for me to tell you that the upcoming five episodes of Aqua Teen are referred to as the Clandestine Five. Now, I don't want you to confuse this and think that I'm saying that the show will be called the Clandestine Five, as in like something like Aqua TV show show. I'm pretty sure it's going to just be called Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and I don't know that we'll ever see this Clandestine Five written anywhere, but I know that that's what the guys are referring to them as. So I wanted to pass that along to you because I kind of knew about this, but I didn't know if I was supposed to mention it. But hey, I'm not the one spilling the beans this time. So there you have it. Two really fun interviews linked to both, again, in the description. Check them both out. And in case you've been following the podcast on social media or on the Discord, there was a little bit of excitement uh, about a week or two ago because over on IMDb, there was this new show that popped up called Eight Lives, supposedly created by Matt Malero and Dave Willis. Now, on IMDb, it said the show had already premiered on Adult Swim like the day previous. There was no record of it. And what, what shocked me is I had just talked to Matt like two or three days previous, and he didn't say anything about this. Matt loves talking about upcoming projects, and he did not mention this. Long story short, I reached out to both the guys. Neither of them are involved. And at this point, it's not even on IMDb anymore. But I wanted to mention it in case maybe you did see that. That, yeah, the, this eight lives thing, it was just, it was a prank. It was a crank. Someone was messing with us. But it, don't worry, it's gone. We can sleep tight knowing that uh, we got this fraudulent IMDb thing taken care of. Thank God. You know, it, it took me about 30 days to finally renew my the tags on my car, but if I see some fake IMDb listing, it's go time, baby. You gotta move on that quick. Having said that, though, I was a little disappointed there wasn't gonna be a new Matt and Dave show on Adult Swim, but it is what it is. So, on to our podcast news. I just want to say I might put out an episode kind of detailing this a little bit more, but I want to let you know now that the podcast will be going on not even a break, just uh we'll say a light break throughout July. We'll still be doing episodes every week, but it won't be deep dives, so we're not going to be starting season 4 quite yet. What you can expect to happen next month will be, of course, our Season 3 retrospective alongside I'll put up a YouTube video where I'm going to rank through all the episodes like usual. But we'll probably be doing some Aquadonk deep dives. We'll be doing maybe some interviews, maybe even some community jiggles. Bring that back a little bit. I just want to take it easy in July and do some shorter kind of episodes 
for context here, an aqua donk takes me about half a day to do, while a normal deep dive takes two full days to do. So just take it a little bit easy. I've got some stuff coming up. So wanted to let you know, but we'll still be putting out episodes every single week. And if you're like, oh, no, no normal deep dives. How could this be? Well, besides this Spacegate World deep dive, we have 54 other deep dives you can revisit and have a good time with alongside all the, the deep dives over on the Patreon. So just wanted to let you know here. So that's it for our Aqua Team news, our podcast news. Let's jump in and see what the damn hell was happening the week that Spacegate World premiered. its way all the way to the top of the box office this week we have the grudge pulling in a spooky 39 million dollars this week which actually breaks freddy versus jason's record for the highest weekend debut for a horror film the grudge bringing in a couple million more than old freddy versus jason there which i think we talked about on the podcast in a previous episode so the grudge it stars sarah michelle geller and she is this nurse, and she's in Tokyo, and then she has to basically deal with this evil spirit that inhabits people. And I want to focus on the part I said there that it, it takes place in Tokyo, because The Grudge is based on a Japanese film, so this is technically an American remake similar to The Ring or Dark Water. But the cool thing about The Grudge is they keep it in Japan. So The Ring, they just put it in the U.S. even though the original was in Japan. The Grudge, they still pay, you know, homage, I guess, to the fact that this is a Japanese, uh, you know, idea. So I, th I thought that was cool. And the film, it, you know, it made some money, but it didn't do too hot here with a 5.9 out of 10 on IMDb, a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this film is actually pretty sentimental to me because I saw this around this time that it came out. Like, I guess as soon as it went to home video, I saw it. And I remember being so scared going into it. Like, oh, my God, this is going to be a horrifying film. I, I you know, because I had seen the trailers. I knew what it was. And after watching it, I, I would have been 11, 12, just like that was kind of lame. It didn't scare me at all. And this really being the first horror film I watched as a kid that didn't scare me. And I was like, oh, that was, you know, not, not as, as big of a deal as I thought it would be. And for context, a few years previous, I went to see a Godzilla film as a kid and I started crying in the theater. They had to take me out of there. I was so scared. So a little bit of development here that I, I wasn't scared by the grudge. And I'm not the only one because this is something that critics really complained about, I guess, on this film is that it wasn't really scary. So I remember, you know, triumphing over this horror film. And it's funny when I read you this little factoid here. Before filming, the cast and crew went through a ceremony where they were blessed so that nothing bad could happen to them during filming. And I think that's funny considering the film is, is considered not that scary. But I, don't, I can't say I blame them because I have a priest on retainer here for the podcast for this very reason. You know, there's some dark Aqua Teen episodes, Broodwitch the shaving episodes like that. I just, you know, just to be safe, I got to have a priest here just to put that special water right on my head. And this is an appropriate time to mention that this priest I have, he's pretty old and sometimes he misses putting the holy water on my head and he, he accidentally spills it on my pants. So if you ever see me out or you see a picture of me with a big wet spot on my pants, it's not what you think it is. Don't get it twisted. It's just holy water. I swear. You might be saying, oh, Ronnie, well, I don't know. I didn't know holy water was yellow. Yeah, well, fuck you. Anyways, that's the grudge there. Let's move on and give a little listen to our number one album this week. She's the reason I feel this way. I hate everything 
hate my job and I hate my life And if it weren't for my two kids, I'd hate my ex-wife I know I should move on and try to start again But I just can't get over her, leaving me for him Then he shook his head and looked down at his ring Said I hate everything Holy hell, man, what a song there. This week, our top album is George Strait with 50 number ones, selling over 343,000 copies this week. And 50 number ones, it's a compilation album of 50 of his previous number one singles. And that, you know, they're a little loose with the definition of number one there. Not necessarily Billboard number ones, but if they did top a chart, which I think, you know, fair enough. I mean, that's still pretty impressive. And the song I played for you, I Hate Everything, is the one new song featured on this compilation. What a country song there, man. That's what it's all about. That's what country should be. Talking about how much your life sucks and you hate everything. Forget that she thinks my tractor's sexy bull crap or this I want to check you for ticks nonsense. That's not what I'm here for. But George Strait, he's a country legend. He knows what it's about. He knows what the people want. And if you thought this, this 50 hits CD wasn't enough, just a few years later in 2007, George, he put out an album called 22 More Hits. That's right. You think he only had 50? Uh, no. He's got more hits than the character in that song had reasons to hate his life. So that's George Strait. And something I'm really struck by by going through these early 2000s charts is how much country we've seen. And I know I've commented about that on the podcast, but I went and checked the charts from the past few years. I'm doing this in 2023 if you're listening from the future. So from like 2021 to 2023, I checked and I didn't really see any country outside of one guy. We have Morgan Wallen being really the only modern country artist to still show up in the top billboard charts. And this is off topic here, but I first heard about Morgan Wallen from my dad because Morgan Wallen is from a town called Sneedville, Tennessee, which is where my dad lived a lot and where I would go a lot as a kid to see my grandpa. So it was my dad's like, yeah, I know this guy's parents. I grew up with his parents, played in bands with his parents. And uh, now he's this big country star. And I'm just thinking, yeah, okay, dad. Yeah, I'm sure he's huge. And then (laughs) sure enough, you see him all over the billboard charts. So Morgan Wallen, he's keeping it alive, the country in the charts. But you got to hope and pray that his songs are about what what we want to hear, which is how much we hate our lives. So back on topic here, that was George Strait with 50 number ones. Our songs this week are the same that they have been. We have Goodies by Sierra and Green Day with American Idiot as our top you know, single on the Billboard chart and the Billboard Alternatives chart. There is a magical moment in music history that happens the day before Spacegate World premieres. And on Saturday, October 23rd, 2004, we had, of course, the infamous incident of Ashley Simpson with her lip syncing on Saturday Night Live and the little jig she does off the stage. We talked about it on the podcast back in the G-Wiz episode, so I'm not going to get too much into it here, but I do want to shout out that it actually happens the day before Spacegate World premieres. And then to jump ahead, because of course this is our last 2004 episode of Aqua Teen, I really want to mention on November 1st, which is a week and a day after Spacegate World premieres, 
One of my favorite bands, Kings of Leon, puts out one of my favorite records, Aha Shake Heartbreak, which is just the greatest mix of like southern music with like indie, the strokes kind of rock, and it's kind of arty too. A great record, Aha Shake Heartbreak. I'm going to talk about it when we get to that uh, retrospective on season three, so I'm not going to get too much into it here, but I really, really love that record. One of my favorites of all time. So that comes out very shortly after Spacegate World. To jump over to our video games this week, there was really nothing I was familiar with uh, on the release charts that came out the week that Spacegate World premiered. So I'm going to jump ahead to just eight days ahead here. On November 1st of 2004, we have Counter-Strike Source premiering. Now, Counter-Strike Source, it was basically bringing the original Counter-Strike into Valve's new engine, the Source engine. And this just, you know, being one of those top-tier FPS games, people are still playing it to this day. I had a lot of fun playing it a bit. I did not play it back at the time, but I did play it maybe like 10 years later or so. I, I checked it out once I got the game on Steam. But for me, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which is the next Counter-Strike game, that's what got me into it in like 2014. So I definitely was not playing this at the time, but I was familiar with it. And, you know, Counter-Strike Swords, it's just one of those top tier FPS games. You gotta pay respect to it. And then less than a month after Spacegate World premieres, we have Half-Life 2 coming out on November 16th. I love the Half-Life games. Again, I did not play them when they came out. I didn't get into them until 10 years later, but gotta pay respects to the king, Half-Life 2, a great game with a bunch of great, I guess, like, mini-sequels with all the different episodes that came out afterwards. I can't sing my praises enough for Valve's games back when they actually made games. Although, I guess to their credit, Half-Life Alex is freaking amazing. I haven't beaten it yet, but I've been playing it with the fucking gigantic VR headset on my face, looking like an absolute idiot having the time of my life. That's just two great games coming out at this time. Counter-Strike Source and Half-Life 2. Two of my faves. Gotta love them. And then one other thing I want to shout out. And again, I know these games came out after this episode of Aqua Teen, but if you were watching Aqua Teen at the time, these games were probably, if you were a gamer, very much on your mind because you were excited for them. And on November 23rd of 2004, we have a little game called World of Warcraft coming out officially now we've talked a little bit about world of warcraft here because it was in beta at certain points before this point but it officially comes out november 23rd 2004 in australia and north america coming to europe a little bit later same thing with with the uh, valve games i did not play world of warcraft at all when it came out but i got into it in like 2020 that was my quarantine game i guess Lots of fond memories of playing that game, listening to some Dance Gavin dance uh, back when I still listened to them. If you know, you know. Just having a good time. I stopped playing World of Warcraft when the new expansion uh, Shadowlands came out. It just started to feel too much like a job because it's like, oh, every week you have to do certain things to stay on top. I'm like, I'm not about that shit. So I kind of fell off. But really liked that game, especially in 2004, the, just the vanilla game. What I played of it was pretty dang fun. So there's three of some of my favorite games and franchises. So all right, it's October 24th, 2004. You just walked out of the theater after seeing The Grudge thinking, Jesus Christ, the drive here was scarier than that film. And you know what's scary? You still have to wait over a week 
for the new Kings of Leon CD to come out. And what's even more horrifying than that is it'll be almost a month until World of Warcraft finally comes out. You've been rocking that beta, and you're ready to get into the real thing, baby. It's so goddamn tragic. You have to wait for everything. You just saw a lame-ass movie. But one thing that you love, it's got your back, baby. Adult Swim is coming on, and they are giving you at least one new thing, and it's the one thing you care about the most. A brand new Aqua Teen episode. So let me tell you what you're going to be seeing that one week in fall of 2004 where not a lot was going on for this absolutely imaginary person I just invented for this podcast transition. At 11 p.m. we have Family Guy with Family Guy viewer mail number one. We've certainly talked about this episode before. At 11.30 p.m., we have Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law with Grape Juice. Again, we've talked about this episode so much because we covered it over on the Patreon, scene by scene, going through it. A very good time. You had Casper Kelly writing on that episode, and he didn't write on that many Birdman episodes, but this one was delightful, as you would expect. You know, Casper Kelly, he pops up here and there on Aqua Teen and also co-created Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell with our man Dave Willis, so... Somebody we have a lot of love for here on the podcast. 11.45 p.m. We have C-Lab 2021 with Dearly Beloved Seed. Midnight, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with this episode, again, at the time called Carl. I'm calling it Space Gate World because it's more fun. 12.15 a.m., we got The Brack Show with Card Berkey. 12.30 a.m., The Venture Bros with The Trial of Monarch. Yet again, an episode that debuted the previous night. At 1 a.m., we have the Oblongs with My Name is Robbie. And 1.30 a.m., we get Home Movies with School Nurse. I went back and I was rewatching some Home Movies last night because number one in the Hoodgy tier patron, Robison, he reached out to me. He, he just said, man, you, after you finish Aqua Teen, you got to cover some Home Movies. And then that put me in the mood to watch some Home Movies. So I did that. School Nurse, a fun episode. You have all these characters falling in love with the School Nurse. And, and as you could expect... Hilarity ensues. So that is our lineup this night, as it has been through all of season three, I think. Family Guy, Harvey Birdman, C-Lab, Aqua Teen, Brack Show, Venture Bros, The Oblongs, and Home Movies. I'm going to do something a little different here because this is the end of our season and we have a couple other lineups worth mentioning. So the very next Sunday night on Adult Swim, which was Halloween, you're going to be excited about this one. We had an Aqua Teen Marathon the very next week, so I'm just going to read you the episode names that they play. There was The Shaving, Brood Witch, Love Mummy, Bus of the Undead, Little Brittle, Total Recarl, Balloonenstein, Cybernetic Ghost, Super Spore, Space Conflict from Beyond Pluto, Mayhem of the Moonanites, and Revenge of the Moonanites. It was the Halloween night. I think they were trying to play some of the more spooky episodes, although, like, the Moon Knight ones aren't spooky, but uh, they're classic episodes, so you can't really be mad about that. But yeah, what a lineup there. Uh, what a time to be an Aqua Teen fan if you caught that marathon night. And worth mentioning, we've covered every single one of those episodes on the podcast, if you ever want to listen through any of them. So that was the Halloween night. And then the, the week after that, the next Sunday, is where we get the anime talk show, a.k.a the Adult Swim Brain Trust, which we covered on the Patreon. So just to contextualize things a little bit, also we had Perfect Hair Forever debuting in place of Squidbillies, and we talk about that on that podcast episode as well. 
So just a couple things happening right after Spacegate World premieres. But hey, that's all we got to say. We set the stage. I mean, we've been hyping up Spacegate World. Oh, it's the Carl only episode. Can you believe this? Well, hey, believe it. We're about to go talk about it right now. Oh, baby, let's do it. Check it out. You know it, I know it. Dancing is forbidden. It's listener supported. It's because of badass listeners supporting the show that it's still going on. So because of that, I want to give some shout-outs for some new signups. And first up, we have Empower706. And I know you're thinking, hold on, Ronnie, stop right there. I've heard Empower706 shouted out on this show before. I don't understand. Let me finish my sentence here. Empower 706, yes, you heard him shout it out back in October of 2021, the very first month the Patreon was up. He signed on at the $5 tier. Well, guess what? He's had enough. He's bumping it up to the next level, the number one in the Hood G tier. So thank you so much, Empower 706, for that. It's so amazing to see somebody who's been supporting, first of all, for so long. I mean, thank you for that alone, but decide to bump it up to the $10 tier. It really, really means a lot. Let's me know. I must be doing something right here, huh? And let me tell you, Empower706, he's not the only one playing this little trick on us this month. We also have JD Do What Now bumping it up as well from the $1 tier to the $5 tier. JD, she was like, I'm sick of supporting this podcast and getting nothing in return. What's that bullshit? What's that return on investment? It's zero. So she bumped it up to the $5 tier, which gets her access to all of the existing Patreon content there, over 20 episodes, as well as the episode she will be getting this month of the Space Kataz coverage. Matt Malero is going to be on that episode. I've got some unaired clips from our interview on it about Space Kataz. Very excited. Empower706, JD, do what now? Thank you both so much. And also, I got to shout out, we got some new blood in the mix here. Setting up to the birthday dollar tier, the $1 tier, we have Papetto. Oh, Papetto. Thank you so much for signing on as well. Papetto here has been rocking it over on the Discord. They've now got that pretty pink name on the Discord. Let me tell you, looks good. Thanks to these three superstars, I didn't hate my life as much as I usually do. I didn't have to play that George Strait song that many times this past month. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Spacegate World premiering October 24th, 2004 with a TV-14 DLV rating for suggestive dialogue, strong coarse language, and intense violence. I can't complain about that. I can't argue with that. I mean, the episode is based on Carl, so that's exactly what you would be hoping for from a Carl-based episode here. So no qualms here. So jumping into Spacegate World, I'm excited about this one because there's a lot of extra content around this episode. If you'll recall our deep dive into the cloning, that one was a lot of fun because On that DVD with the cloning, we had the footage of them writing the episode, so there was just a wealth of information to go over there. And similarly here, we don't have them writing the episode, but we have them doing 
basically, I think all of the the dialogue in the episode, we see every actor recording it. And I want to mention this is on the Volume 4 DVD, but I'll put a link to it in the description if you want to watch it on YouTube. And this footage is called The Faces in Front of the Throats That Make the Voices That Speak into the Microphone. A very Aqua Teen title. And yeah, we see them just recording the, the dialogue here, which is awesome in itself. But beyond that, and what's more exciting to this podcast, is we see bits of dialogue that they had to cut from the episode or gags that didn't make it into the final cut. And of course, the way that Aqua Teen is made, the voice actors are encouraged and allowed to play with the script and add stuff, ad-lib things. So we get some of that as well. So I'll be going through here pointing out the major differences between what we get in that footage and what we get in the final episode. Worth mentioning, there's a bunch of tiny differences that I won't be covering just because they're so minute. Uh, it's not super interesting and we'd be here all day, but definitely if, if you can check out that footage and again, link in the description if you don't own the DVDs because it's just a lot of fun to see them playing around and, and how they go about putting these episodes together. So beyond that, we also have a commentary track on this one, like so many season three episodes. But of course, you know the story at this point. Like the other season three commentaries, a lot of it here isn't really useful to us because it's recorded at a party at J. Wade Edwards' house, and they include some some stuff that just isn't useful. For example, at the very end, like the, the whole last two minutes almost of the commentary, it's just some band playing, and you kind of hear Carrie Means trying to like talk over it, but yeah, it, it is what it is. But there are some interesting bits there. And then beyond that, I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast episode. I've got some very exciting exclusive information from Matt Malero and Bob Pettit, Aqua Teen's prop and background artist. You know this. He was on the podcast. So excited to share that as well. So with that out of the way, let's talk about our voice cast here. And it's our usual gang of suspects, but we have four newcomers here who are Kim Manning, Jennifer Stevens, Amanda Marks, and Lisa Willis. So Kim Manning, we've talked about on the podcast previously. She is currently the vice president of programming at Adult Swim. So she's someone who, who knows her stuff, who's been around a while. Jennifer Stevens was a production manager at Cartoon Network at the time. Although I have to say about Jennifer Stevens, I'm not sure what voice she does. I think she does some giggling in the episode. We'll get to it there. I suspect that's her because in the footage, we don't really see the person who's doing that giggling. They jokingly have some guy pretending to do it, but he's obviously not. I guess that would be what Jennifer Stevens did. Otherwise, I don't really know. Otherwise, Amanda Marks, she is an actress, a comedian, and we see her in the footage doing her lines. And Lisa Willis, uh, you might recognize that last name because she's Dave Willis's wife, and uh, we'll get to her as well. So, and then our editors here, we have John Breston, Jay Edwards, Ned Hastings, and Phil Sampson, the same that we've really been getting and I really just suspect it's because they were kind of just all taking turns on the episode, doing what they had to do on, on these batches of episodes. That's my guess anyways. So those are our editors. Those are our voice actresses here. I've said it so many times. I'll say it again. We're not discussing Space Cataz in these episodes. That will be on the Patreon at the end of the month. And if you're listening in the future, then check it out. So it's our last episode of season three. What are we opening in on? We're going to be starting with a pretty long clip here because we have Carl outside and he's looking at his house where we see Meatwad left him 
Meatwad left him a message on his house, but it's literally like chiseled into Carl's house, first of all, like across the entire front of his house. And there's some writing elements like we see Dear Carl, but it's spelled wrong. It's D-E-R-K-A-R-L. And then, you know, it's Meatwad, so most of the writing here, uh, in quotations, is just drawings, random scribbles, but we'll hear it in Meatwad's voice, and then Carl will react to it. Oh, super. Dear Carl, thank you in advance for feeding my dolls while we out in Panama City, scaling up venture capital money for my stand-up comedy tour. Meatwad unplugged, no buns allowed. And also... We also getting a time. Now remember, Dewey and Vanessa won't eat anything but chicken chow mein noodles, and you know boxing. He eat anything as long as it's deep fried. They need to be walked twice a day, and be sure to pick up your doll droppings. You get a fine from the city. Thanks again. Sorry about the house, big guy. Sincerely, meet Ryan. All right. What the f*** does this say? <laughs> So it's funny because we occasionally cut to Carl. We see his eyes moving with it while it's being read. But then he's just like, what does it say? Because obviously there's no way anybody could read this. Uh, I doubt even Meatwad could read this. But some of the drawings we see are like a drawing of the dolls, very crude drawings. We see uh, what looks like a reindeer, what looks like the sun with a smiling face, just all sorts of hilarious stuff. At one point during the reading segment, the camera, like it's just going left to right. Then it flips on its side and starts going up. It's just crazy. So a fun reveal there where, you know, you, you think Carl is reading it, but he's not. But there's actually some more to that. So we're going to jump over to our footage, our documentary. It's a short clip, but we can see how they would play around with dialogue here. It's the very end of Meatwad's speech where he just says, sincerely, Meatwad. Matt threw out some lines that Dave tried, and Matt really liked them. I'm surprised they didn't end up using them. Sincerely, Meatwad. <laughs> Love Meatwad. Sincerely. Love, hugs, and kisses. Meatwad. Those are great. I agree, Matt. Those are great, but uh, they stuck with just sincerely Meatwad, maybe for time constraints or something like that. So Carl doesn't know what this says. Luckily, Meatwad is just about to call. Very coincidental, huh? And Meatwad's going to call and explain something about watching his dolls. And then visually, we're going to see that Meatwad's dolls, so we have Vanessa, Dewey, and Boxy Brown, they are just tied to one of the shrubs outside Carl's house with string. And I should mention here, Vanessa, she's got her hair, and she doesn't have a mustache this time around. What? Did you find my note? Oh, is that you? Yeah, thanks for uh, <laughs> etching it into the side of my house. Is you mad? You ain't mad, are you? Hey, while we're talking, <laughs> you want to tell me what it friggin' says? Well, what says? The note. What note? The one on the side of my house. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. Well, I don't remember. Of course. <laughs> something about feeding dolls or something. I left them out for you. They like to run. Super. Anything else <laughs> you, you want me to do? So there is Carl getting hung up on, and I gotta say, spoiler alert, it's not the first time in this episode where that's gonna happen. So first up, I want to mention, some not, not really a visual error, but we can see some sort of weird swap in Carl assets when he goes to answer his phone. He goes from the standing there Carl to answering the phone Carl. If you look at his shirt on his right arm, you can see there's like a weird kind of glitch when he goes to answer the phone. I think they're just swapping assets there. In terms of the phone that Carl is answering, it's this nondescript white landline phone. 
I went back and checked season two, episode eight's Super Squatter, the one where uh, Shake goes over to Carl's house. And I remember he has to use Carl's phone to call the hospital or, or whatever, the ambulance, because Carl got shot in the foot. And it wasn't this phone. So this is a brand new phone, I think. Uh, where did it come from, first of all? I mean, did Carl have it in his pocket or something? Uh, who knows? Where does it go after he hangs up the phone? We don't see, but uh, it's there conveniently when he needs it. But this really setting up the episode, we see what's going to go on here. The Aqua Teens, and more specifically Meatwad, needs Carl to watch his dolls. So that's going to be what we're uh, going to be checking in on throughout the episode. And to talk about the documentary very quickly, there's a moment in the recording of this one where Dave is doing some lines as Carl, and he, he does the line of, why don't you tell me what it says? And Dave kind of yells that. And then he, you can see he comes to the realization that he's just going to be screaming a lot in the episode. He says that. He's like, oh, I'm going to be screaming my head off the whole time or something. Kind of getting hit with the realization that, yeah, maybe this <laughs> not necessarily was a bad idea, but you know, usually we have Carl in small doses, but this is an episode with a lot of Carl. Carl likes to yell a lot, and Dave's just kind of like, oh, shit, <laughs> here we go. My throat's going to be killing me. And to jump back into that footage here... We had a tiny bit more explanation and more setup where Meatwad explains why he etched this into Carl's house. So let's give that a listen. Oh, is that you? Yeah, thanks for uh, painting it on the side of my house so I wouldn't forget, you know? You're welcome. Sometimes that's the only way you'd uh, pay attention to it because if it's on your house, it means something to you like, like sacrifice. Hey, while we're talking... Uh... All right, so I'm just fading that out because it goes into the normal... Uh clips from the episode and yeah so meatwad's like oh you know shake said if if i painted it on your house then it'd be like a sacrifice it'd mean more and and maybe carl would remember it more or something uh kind of silly i get why they cut this line uh not really necessary but fun to hear for super fans like us nonetheless but carl he is in charge of watching dewey vanessa and boxy brown and we're not even a minute and a half into the episode, and already, Carl, he's going to set the dolls on fire, but he is not merciless. He will extinguish them with his own urine. Damn, it's hot out here. You guys must be seriously thirsty. Hey, open up. Drink up there. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Did I do that? Yeah. Let me put you out. <laughs> yeah. In your face! <laughs> So, yeah, Carl's like, are you thirsty? That's when he pours gasoline on them. He lights them on fire. Of course, you know, it's our classic space ghost, Hanson Flame. And then instantly he drops his pants out in his yard, like in broad daylight, just out front. He pulls his pants down and starts peeing. And I really have to shout out this pee effect because it looks pretty goddamn good. I really wonder how they did that. Definitely one of the best liquid simulations we've seen in Aqua Teen. That's for sure. I bet if we found out, they'd be like, yeah, I just peed in front of a green screen and <laughs> keyed it out or something like that. But of course, worth mentioning, this being a step forward in what they can get away with on the show, as Jay told us in our interview with him, that in the early years, they were not allowed to make liquids either, you know, red, brown, or yellow. But now they can straight up just show us, you know, between Carl's hairy legs, some piss going over <laughs> these dolls that are on fire. From there, it's going to cut to Carl now in his backyard, and he's actually in his pool. He's playing around in his pool, so he doesn't have a shirt on, but you know he's rocking the gold chain. And he's playing with his deflated beach ball in the pool, but the pool is disgusting. It's just covered in algae, leaves. I'm not sure where the leaves came from, because we don't really see any trees in their backyard. 
but the the pool is just filthy. It is disgusting. And this is the first time we've seen it like that. I know that they'll show it like that later in the show, but this is the first time it pops up being just disgusting. I guess unless you want to count like Video Ouija where Shake kills himself in the pool, but I can't blame Carl for that. This is clearly like he just has not been cleaning it. Maybe out of spite. He's like, oh, I'm sick of the Aqua Teens always using my pool. I don't want to clean it for them anymore. I honestly can't say I'd blame him for coming to that decision. But this is the first time we've seen the pool since the eighth episode of this season, Moon Master, because we have the Moon and Knights in the pool at one point. And it's the fourth time that we've seen it at all this season. And the reason I'm bringing that up is to contrast it with season one, where almost like every episode ended in the pool or they, you know, the pool was like a focal point of those early seasons. So it's always fun to see how they're handling it now that they're outside of that first season. So Carl's in the filthy ass pool. And he's going to make it even filthier. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did y'all see that? Oh, someone should have been in to see that. That was classic. <laughs> so we can see, you know, Carl, he's he's already feeling maybe a little lonely. It's it, We see that he appreciates having the teens around. They seemingly are his only friends. And he does this fart. You see it kind of ripple throughout the pool. He's very excited by that. And in the commentary, Dave, he mocks the fart joke, kind of mocking themselves. Although in the commentary, they start joking around saying, well, he did the fart by himself. That's what's fresh about the joke because he farted and he himself found it funny. It wasn't somebody else farting. So (laughs) kind of breaking new ground here. But throughout the commentary, Dave has some disdain for the potty humor that they included in the show. But of course, I mean, hey, he's the one who wrote it. In my opinion, the fart that Carl did wasn't even that exciting or impressive, but he begs to differ. So what Carl is going to do, because he wants other people to see it, he's going to go and grab his camcorder, set it up at the pool, get back in the pool, and try again. But guess what, Carl? You can't capture magic twice. Okay, it's, uh... July 27th in the afternoon, and uh, and I think something's about to happen here. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. It's about to come. <laughs> Damn it, I can't do it now. It's too much pressure. <laughs> so a lot to kind of dissect about this. So first of all, Carl gives us a timestamp. It's July 27th, and it's in the afternoon. So we have a date on this. It's summertime, which you would expect, I guess, if he's out in the pool. But we have a day. So I guess every July 27th, we can celebrate Carl's fart day. But Carl setting up his camcorder, it's the same camera that the Aqua Teens have. But we talked about this back a couple episodes ago in Dusty Gazangas because it's established that even though it's the same model of camera, same model and make, it seems, I mean, really, it's the same asset. We know that. But in that episode, we saw Carl using his camera at his house with Dusty Gazangas while Shake and Meatwad were trying to use their camera when they thought Dusty Gazangas was coming over. But it was really Andre the Utility Man. So we saw like both of them trying to use this camera. So we can rule out that it's uh, the Aqua Teens camera that Carl's just got his own. That's the same one. Maybe, you know, these are these were cameras on sale and they both picked one up or something. Worth mentioning, too, that it is the same tripod that we saw in Dusty Gazanga, so it checks out here. We got some solid continuity from the Aqua Teen gang. 
Something that I was interested in was the fact that when Carl says it's too much pressure... Damn it, I can't do it now! It's too much pressure! Dave kind of slurs the line. In fact, let me play you the audio from the recording session because it's more just natural sounding. Damn it, I can't do it now! It's too much pressure! Dave slurs that line, and I like that. I'm not criticizing him here. Him doing that gives Carl this kind of realness to him, this looseness to him that is relatable because normal people don't talk perfectly all the time. So I think that's why Carl is this great kind of everyman, that he gets so angry that he kind of slurs his line a little bit. He just talks like a normal person. So I like that. I like that they kept it in, that they didn't go for a perfect, you know, enunciated take. They just kept it how it was because, yeah, that's how people talk. And that's why we love Carl. Speaking of characters that we love, we're now going to cut over to the Aqua Teens here, see what they're up to, and they are at the beach, baby, and Meatwad, he's not taking the moment just to enjoy the leisurely activity. No, he's working on his stand-up tour. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about this airplane food, the airplane food. I mean, what's up with it, am I right? <laughs> see... That's when the people laugh, and then I gotta be like, I gotta have a joke there. <laughs> so, Meatwad, he, he's figuring it out at his own pace. We cut and we see Master Shake and Frylock just, you know, chilling out with their eyes closed. They're not paying attention to Meatwad. To discuss the visuals very quickly, both Meatwad and Shake have the same sunglasses on, which are the ones that we saw back in Season 1, Episode 17's Mail Order Bride, with, with Frylock's wraparound shades that we see later that Shake stole. Well, both Meatwad and Shake have those sunglasses on now, which is funny that Frylock doesn't since, you know, originally they were supposed to be his. And I want to I shout out here that Meatwad's glasses are, like, not really on his face properly. One of his eyes isn't even covered. It's very funny. But speaking of Mail Order Bride, we also have another asset from that episode here. The microphone that Meatwad is pretending to talk into, it's just a stick with a pinecone glued on. That is the same exact asset that we saw in that episode, Mail Order Bride, when Meatwad goes to give Frylock his Christmas present, which was supposed to be the wraparound shades, but, you know, he just makes this, this monstrosity out of, out of sticks, pinecones, and glue. They just cropped that. They cropped one of the sticks to just look like kind of a microphone. So same asset there as well. Exciting to see that. But now we're going to jump over to the footage here, and this is going to be a long clip, but we get to see them really playing around with this. It seemed like they wanted to dedicate more time to Meatwad's stand-up. Ultimately, again, I understand why they didn't, but here's like a two-minute clip of Dave just kind of riffing around, and they're just kind of playing with Dana as well, trying to have this back and forth that ultimately doesn't make the episode. Airplane food, am I right? <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> Airplane food. Am I, what's up with that? Has someone been on a flight? Can tell me. A joke to put there. <laughs> Maybe that's just him at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Reading over a piece of paper. Practicing. Meat rod unplugged. No buns alive. <laughs> then they'll go nuts. But then I need something after that. Like a joke. Like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you're still using that one. <laughs> I died with the Eisenhower era, pal. <laughs> Take it to the Catskills. <laughs> Maybe call him on his joke. He says, what's up with that? And you just say, what is up with it? Yeah. What? Well, I don't know. What is up with that? <laughs> Do you know? Do you know? 
You don't. You've never been on a flight before, have you? You know, you never even been on a flight, have you? What's Maybe. up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should call your tour the Maybe. No Jokes Tour. Maybe you should call this tour the No Jokes Tour. The Laugh Free Tour. <laughs> the No Jokes Allowed. The No Jokes Allowed. <laughs> this truly is comic relief. <laughs> and what is up with that? Yeah, what is up with that? You don't even know what they eat up there, do you? You don't even know what they eat up there, do you? You got no idea. Do you even know what a plane looks like? <laughs> you don't. You don't, do you? Ah, <laughs> uh, waste. What a useless waste. <laughs> you stink! So very incredibly different than what happens in the episode. In the episode, with what Meatwad does, it's actually this kind of inconsequential bit that I was going to attach to our next clip. I was going to keep it all just one clip because in the episode, none of them acknowledge Meatwad's shitty, you know, trite, hacky joke that's been done to death a million times before. But they were, as you could hear there, toying around with having Shake just go off on Meatwad. So I'm glad they included that in the the footage that we got. But again, I get why it didn't make the episode. That's two minutes of them riffing around versus like the very short clip that made it into the episode. So back to the episode now. I hope you enjoyed that little uh, that little field trip there to the the studios. I want to mention they're on the beach, and as you would expect, this is the same beach that we saw in the fifth episode of the entire series, Balloonenstein, but it seems like it's a little different, like they changed some of the sand elements slightly differently. When I was like going between the images, they looked a little bit different, but really not that much, so it's the same beach, and now we're going to get a call from Carl. We'll see Frylock get the call, and we'll see his his little flip phone that he has, and on the screen, a little picture of Carl will pop up, and he'll hand the phone to Meatwad. Mm, guess who? Hey, is that the girl that busted me for looking at her butt? Put her on speaker. Oh, little who? Hello? Hi. Hey, Charles, my boys doing? <laughs> my boys, I mean dolls. Oh, they're good. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're rooting around for some food right now. <laughs> Airplane food? Am I right? Yeah, it's uh, Shake there. Hang on. No, tell him no. Well, he says, I don't know who he is. I mean, am I right? What's up with that? Wait, 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 so when Carl said that the dolls are fine, we see that they're just in the trash. And of course, they're burnt to a crisp at this point. I'm surprised that he even brought them inside. Uh, again, back to Meatwad with these stupid jokes. Just, How about that? Meatwad just, he's bitten by the stand-up bug. You can't really blame him. It's interesting to me that Carl is calling for Shake. I can't imagine why. And also Shake's like, no, say I'm not here. He doesn't want to talk to Carl. Uh, not sure what that's about. And it's delightful to hear Frylock complain about using his minutes, of course, in 2023. Not something that most people probably have to think about a lot. Surely there are still, like, minute plans, and I am no stranger to those plans, trust me. But it's just funny now when, uh, I don't even know, yeah, there's probably not that many services offering a minute-by-minute -minute plan anymore. To speak of the beach asset one last time, we have what look to be some new assets here. We have a pink towel laid out, which I assume is supposed to be Meatwad's. 
Shake is laying on a green and white striped towel, and then Frylock was just sitting in a, a kind of beach chair, a striped uh, dark blue and white one, and then he has an umbrella above him. It is it is yellow and orange, uh, alternating colors. And then they also have a cooler there, which is the same cooler asset we typically see. It is not the bloody cooler asset that we initially saw. Eventually, they introduced a clean cooler asset without like the blood handprints on it and, and, and such. That's the one that they've got here. I think that's the last that we see the Aqua Teens at the beach, though. Looks like they're having a nice time. Uh, I, I want to shout out that before Carl called, like when Meatwad was doing his stand-up, Shake was laying there with his eyes closed, but he did have a smile on his face. He seemed to be enjoying himself. So we're going to cut back in on Carl here. And of note, I want to mention that the dolls are now out of the trash and they're set up kind of by the chair that Carl has in his living room. And Carl is sitting in that chair, pants around his ankles, and he's pissing into a can. You, uh, you don't talk much, eh? Do you? <laughs> oh, you noticed? <laughs> yeah. See, a lot of water gets wasted during the day, flushing the toilet or the bathroom, you know, so <laughs> I fill all this up. All I gotta do when I go to the kitchen for lunch is pour it down the sink. Whatever it takes to save the earth. Because uh, granola girls get some more moist. <laughs> Homeless girls, too. They'll do anything for shelter. You know, stay with me, man. I'm full of information. I'm like an infomercial. You know what one of them is? It's information that you get in a commercial. <laughs> Let's, uh, freaking see if one's on now. Whoa, yeah! The sound of lunch. So lunch is here, but before we get to that, we got to talk about what just happened here. So you'll have noticed some silence. They're literally just cutting to the dolls who are, you know, we're supposed to see their reaction, but obviously they're not even dolls. I shouldn't even say that. It's a fucking, it's a toilet paper tube, uh, an apple and a box, you know, and, and they're burnt to a crisp. I want to mention Vanessa, the apple. She has some bites taken out of her. I don't know if Carl tried eating her after the fact. I'm not really sure, but I love the logic here. He's like, yeah, I'm peeing into this can so that I could save the environment. It's like, buddy, you could still pee in the toilet. You don't have to flush it. You just, you know, flush it when you take a dump later or something. You don't have to just pee in a can because you don't want to get up and walk over to the bathroom. But let me tell you, peeing into a can, it's not only a lazy boy's game. There are situations when you might have to pee into some sort of vessel and I'll explain to you. So at one of the houses I lived at when I was younger, it was an old house and they built onto it. They expanded it at some point in the past before we ever lived there. And <laughs> the the addition that they added, they added like an upstairs and the way it worked out, you had to go through our bathroom to go to my bedroom. And you might be saying, that sounds like a fire hazard. You're goddamn right it was. I'm lucky to all fucking hell that I didn't burn alive there. But because it was the only bathroom in the house, sometimes, your boy, I'd get locked up in my bedroom. Nature calls. You're locked up there. You forgot to wear your gamer diaper. You got no other options. So, hey, don't let Carl give us can pissers a bad name. Some of us are all right people. You're probably sitting there like, Jesus Christ, dude, just fucking talk about Aqua Teen. Why are you talking about this? All right, hey, let's do just that. I want to mention, uh, back to the to the pee-pee, though. I can't let that go. 
we see some nice dripping from the can. I'm not really sure why that is. I don't know why there's pee also dripping off the can. I feel like Carl's capable of perfectly getting it all in there, but evidently he's not. We see it dripping off the can into the carpet, and it's revealed in the commentary that this drip was added way later, that the editors didn't intend for that. Nobody else before the the you know end process visual guys had that idea, and it goes to show the brilliance of Aqua Teen and how those involved are not only allowed to, but really encouraged to add stuff and, and make this just an iterative and collaborative process. And we've touched on that throughout the podcast, that if this was some high-budget show, it'd be like, no, you just stick to what's in the storyboard or whatever. But even, you know, at the, at the very end of the uh, like special effects chain here, they're allowed to go in and make jokes like this. And I think it's so funny. It's so depraved. And is a great example of just how everyone who worked on this show was just really adding so much to it. Back to our episode, we heard the banging on the door. Lunch is here. It's time to eat. And <laughs> Carl's going to answer the door. And then he's going to just, you'll, you'll see him just dump his piss bucket basically out onto the shrubs while he's answering the door here. Like he just does not care at all. And our delivery man is a familiar face. It is none other than Aqua Teen co-creator Matt Malero, and he's he's delivering Carl's Chinese food, but he's also just holding a Gibson Les Paul in the process. Carl's going to give Matt a very, very small tip, and then he's going to want to hang out with Matt, who's going to go to his car and drive away. Excuse me. <laughs> it's uh, $7.92. Okay, it's uh, $8, and uh, keep it. All of it? <laughs> I don't know if the bank will take all this. Hey, man, the night's young. Knock off for a bit. Let's party. Oh, no thanks. This is going to take me all night to count. Oh, that'd be so uptight, man. I got a pool in the back. I got beer on ice. I'm, uh, I'm calling you a supervisor, asshole! So Carl's all pissed out here that Matt doesn't want to hang out, especially after Carl gave him an eight-cent tip. I love that line of, like, I don't know if the bank will take all this. It's crazy here. Seven ninety-two for that delivery. I mean, pfft. Just, just that, that, that's a pipe dream these days, let me tell you. Like 792 with a 792 tip on top of that is still more than just the base meal on DoorDash in 2023. It's ridiculous. But you know what's also ridiculous? Carrying your Gibson Les Paul around with you while you are delivering Chinese food. Those are very heavy guitars. Let me tell you, and it's a beautiful gold top guitar we can see. And I reached out to Matt about this because in the commentary, Dave says, hey, that's Matt's guitar. So I reached out to Matt. I'm like, hey, is this your, really your guitar? Do you have any stories about it? And Matt, he delivered. So Matt said, that's my guitar, although I have double humbuckers. Uh, this is Ronnie cutting back in. In the episode, for whatever reason, the guitar has two P90s. I know we're getting into the gear talk here. P90s are a single coil type of pickup on guitars. Humbuckers are double coils. So for whatever reason, the the pickups were changed. But back to Matt's email here. It's a 1960 reissue that was released in 2000. It was my main guitar when I played with Donald Hubbard, who, this is Ronnie cutting back in. Donald Hubbard is, of course, Matt Malero's band, they did the song Fishin' Hole on, on C-Lab. If you listen to that Patreon coverage of that one C-Lab episode we did, we hear it there. We hear some Donald Hubbard in Cybernetic Ghost in Aqua Teen on that episode. And in the intro to Aqua Teen, we even see Donald Hubbard is a dead man. And the singer of Donald Hubbard is, of course, Barry Mills, voice of Hustlin' Tom Turkey. So back to Matt's email here. He says, I also use it for that Meatwad guitar solo when he interrupts Shake's song and shreds on the toy guitar. 
Also used it for F off in 12 ounce mouse. And I think I played at the end of the Space Ghost episode Baffler Meal when we parody Black Dog. This is Ronnie cutting back in. Uh, in, in that video, we can see he's not playing that guitar, but I did confirm with Matt that he used the, this guitar to record that Baffler Meal song. So to the rest of the email, he says, I still have it and it's currently tuned down to B. So Matt, he's got it two steps down. He's a metal man. What do you expect? I also want to point out, because I did some more research on this guitar here, and by research, I mean just looking through special features, we see Matt playing that in a few bumps. For example, in the Volume 5 DVD, we see a bunch of bumps that aired, and he's playing it with Mike Greer, also known as Puddle's Pity Party. Matt and Dave are singing, and, and Matt's playing guitar, and, and Matt Greer is there, and that's the guitar he's playing in that bump. If you listen to the Bashington's New Year's Eve party coverage, when we see Matt shredding in that video, he is playing that same gold top guitar. We also see that guitar in the volume two special feature of Donald Hubbard playing the Aqua Teen theme song. Uh, I uploaded that recently to my YouTube channel, so link to that in the description. And finally, we will see in season four, episode seven, Party All the Time, at the beginning of that episode, Shake's trying to play along to some like instructional guitar videotape, which is Matt Malero, of course, dressed up in a costume. And he is using this guitar there as well. So a lot of history on this guitar. I'm so thankful to Matt for getting back to me on this. I didn't think he'd really have anything to say, but he had a lot. And like I said, it was fun just seeing this guitar pop up all over in the special features now that I know to look out for it. So, hey, who knows? Maybe when season 12 comes out, we'll see it again. So back to our scene we had uh, Matt saying, you know, oh, I, I, he doesn't want to hang out basically with Carl. He gets in his car and we see two new developments in season three. First of all, Carl runs over to the car to kind of like try and get Matt to stay. And that running asset, of course, is new to this season. And also Carl says asshole, which is new to this season as well, as we noted in a previous episode. So that is it for the Matt Malero character in, in the episode proper. However, we can see over in the footage of them doing voices for the episode, they were playing around with some other ideas. Did I, did I put my penis in those noodles? I don't know. I don't remember. You'll never know. I don't remember. <laughs> you know, it could have been... <laughs> could have been that my ball sack was hanging in those noodles. <laughs> <laughs> Whose noodles were those? You know, I had my balls and I had my penis and some noodles, but I don't know if they were yours or not. But hey, <laughs> you know, hey. I put my penis in your noodles, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know where they were going with that. I don't know where that was supposed to be in the episode, but I'm so glad we got to hear it. Apparently, the idea was this delivery guy with his Gibson Les Paul gold top. He was putting his dick and balls in people's noodles, but he couldn't remember whose noodles they were. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's some additional lines that they didn't stick with. And lastly to that scene, we have two visual things I want to mention. The name of the restaurant, it's on the top of Matt's car. It is Wang Noodle. And the phone number is 555-0132. And the car that Matt is driving is this just incredibly beat up car. I mean, you could hear it in the episode, the the noisy engine and, and things along those lines. But yeah, it's just totally beat to hell, which is funny because he's carrying around this pristine multi-thousand dollar guitar that's probably worth more than the car that he's driving. But I mean, hey, uh, he can't be the only musician that has that going on. 
So, Carl, he has his food, but before we get to that, I do want to point out, because obviously uh, you're probably not watching this alongside this podcast, every time we see the outside of Carl's house, there is still the Meatwad like etchings and drawings and paintings all over the front of his house. So, when Carl answered the door when Matt was there with the food, uh, we saw it and we see it throughout the episode. So, I do want to keep that in your mind. But we're going to go inside, and Carl, he's got his noodles now. And I do want to point out, I don't know if this was intentional, I I have to imagine it probably was. So at the beginning of the episode, when we're kind of reading through Meatwad's note, he mentions that the dolls like chicken chow mein noodles. And then Carl, he ordered Chinese food. I don't know if this is supposed to be chicken chow mein noodles, but I just found that to be an interesting coincidence, and I have to imagine it was on purpose. So, Carl, he's going to go and dig into his noodles. I should clarify, even if he got the chicken chow mein noodles, that uh, he didn't seem to get any for the dolls. He's eating it all himself. He pulls out some chopsticks, and he's kind of insulted by this. And he's like, no, I'm not going to use these. But, I mean, it's Carl. He's too lazy to get up to go pee. He's also too lazy to get up and go get utensils. So, he's just going to use his hands. Well, what the? Oh, great, yeah. No, I love to live in the woods and eat with sticks. No, thank you. We're American. I'll use utensils, okay? But uh, they're in the kitchen, so uh, so, uh, no harm, no foul, you know what I mean? Carl, he's got literally, like, you know, grease or not grease, but whatever sauce running down his neck from eating. He's such a slob. Like, I just love, he he refuses to use the chopsticks, which is like, okay, if you want to use utensils, I guess I can understand that. But he's like, no, those are in the other room, so I'd rather just use my hands than use chopsticks. Me, personally, I refuse to eat any sort of Asian food without chopsticks. Although I think, aren't you supposed to technically use your hands to eat sushi? I don't know. Ian or Ivy, you can correct me on this. John O'Tree as well. I don't know. But, uh, yes, I love any excuse to use chopsticks, but Carl loves any excuse not to use chopsticks. He'd rather eat fucking bare noodles with his fingers. But hey, if that's what you want to do, go for it. I do want to point out visually, I love, again, I've already mentioned this, but we have the dolls just kind of surrounding Carl. Like, this is his audience. Without the Aqua Teens, he's almost going nuts because he has evidently no other friends, nobody else to talk to, nobody to hang out with. And to be clear, I'm not knocking him. I'm the one sitting here talking to a fucking computer about a 20-year-old cartoon episode. But it's funny to see, considering he acts like he hates the Aqua Teens, but we can see that apparently isn't really the case. To the behind the scenes on this one, when Dave is doing the Carl voice and he bites into the noodles and he has a mouthful. Oh, no harm, no foul, you know what I mean? We saw in the footage that he was biting into a sandwich while he did that. The sandwich, I don't know what was on it, but it looked good. It was loaded with all the goodies. I was very jealous watching that footage. But you can see he's method acting here. He's getting into it. He's getting down and dirty in the shit and piss getting into this episode. From there, we get an exterior shot of Carl's house again with Meatwad's artwork on it. And it's now nighttime. And we cut inside where we see Carl. He's looking through an old yearbook of his from the 80s. And he's calling up one of the women in the yearbook. But of course, they don't really know who he is. It's very late at night. And it goes about as well as you would expect. And I want to mention this is a long clip, probably one of the longest I've played on the podcast from an actual Aqua Teen episode. So uh, get a snack, get ready. Carl, he's going to embarrass himself and then try and play it off in front of the dolls. <laughs> hey, guess who this is? 
Hello? <laughs> That's what your mom said. For I shaved her back. <laughs> yeah. No, no, actually, uh, I did talk to your mom tonight. She said uh, to call you. Oh, okay. Well, do you know what time it is? Yeah, I keep the blinds closed, so it's kind of disorienting. But, you know, I don't want the government in my business. It's two in the morning. Oh, it's my bedtime. Come on, what happened to the Donna I remember? The one who knew how to party back in 81. Oh, yeah, you're that guy with... Oh, come on. It's Carl. Class <laughs> of 81. Oh, okay. Well, well, I wasn't there for long. That place is a scam. I left it in the dust. But, hey, enough about Madonna. You still got that cleavage. <laughs> still smuggling uh, balloons wherever you go. <laughs> Where are you now? <laughs> Hello? Yeah, well, uh, maybe you you shouldn't uh, booty call me when I got guests here. Oh, God, she is so horny for me. All right, that's the last of the W's. Yeah, there's a Z left, but, uh, ooh, she had that unibrow. Ah, screw it. Look up Zambrano. Normally, I wouldn't do a fat chick from the flag corps, but, uh, it is a new era <laughs> of loneliness. Oh, God. So this is Carl, like, at his lowest. So visually, he's sitting in his chair in the living room. He's surrounded by the dolls. And we keep getting cuts of the dolls while he's talking. Like, again, supposed to be reaction shots, especially when he's starting to try and play off like Donna's still on the line with him. He's trying to play it cool in front of these inanimate objects. But Carl, he's also just completely covered in the sauce or the food or whatever it is that he ate earlier. He's just filthy. And he's thumbing through this yearbook. There's a lot of visuals here that Bob Pettit did. There's all sorts of different portraits, all sorts of names. And we also see Carl in his class picture here. He has like a mullet. It's very funny. So I reached out to Bob Pettit about this. And he says, for Carl's picture, everyone loved that he would have a mullet. But I forgot whose idea it was, if not mine. Because I asked Bob, I'm like, you know, did you have any direction for a younger Carl? Or did you just have free reign? So he doesn't remember who wanted him to have the mullet. But overall, it seems like he kind of did. And to some of the other names in this yearbook... Bob says, for the names, Stan Browley was a take on my friend and quarterback for our JV football team, Stan Rowley. And then Bob says, Aaron Winters references my elementary school crush, Aaron Winfrey. So those are two of the, the, the histories behind the names there. The girl that Carl is calling, her name is Donna Bryson, at least in the yearbook. Potentially at this point, she's been married. And I love it's established through that phone call that Carl first called, I guess, her old phone number and her mom answered, who had to be, I don't want to say elderly at this point, but pretty old. Probably like, who is calling? Yeah, you're going to have to call Donna. She's a grown woman at this point. I don't know why you're calling uh, her mother. But uh, we see in the yearbook next to Carl is Donna Bryson, and there's a heart drawn around her face and there's little hearts around that and it says uh call me donna or something like that and then carl it seemed like he drew a little uh speech bubble saying carl is so hot so that's who he's going after i guess just his crush and it's weird because he then says oh well well that's it for the w's there's a z but i don't want to call her or something like that the joke being that it's not as attractive of a of a girl in the yearbook but it's weird because it's like, well, he called Donna Bryson with a B. Why is that the last of the W's? Uh, regardless, though, we do see the dolls and Boxy Brown in front of him has a, a New Jersey phone book. This being the same phone book that we saw 
in season two, episode 18's The Cubing, because the the uh, dumbass Ahedratron, he requests a phone book to make some prank calls, and this is that same phone book. We see a shot of it in that episode. But, the, I mean, I can't describe the entirety of this yearbook. You just have to see it. It's great. All these faces that Bob did... All the names, just so much work and detail went into this, and I love it. Some of them have, like, you know, little drawings and and just words written like you would expect in a real yearbook. And just to see, I assume 18-year-old Carl is incredible with this long, flowing mullet. It looks great. In the voice recording footage, we get more information. Like, Carl goes on even longer than that clip. I'm not going to play it here because that clip was already long enough. He talks about how he, at one point, was working for, like, a medical disposal facility, but he got fired very quickly because he wasn't disposing of the stuff right. He was just, like, throwing it in the garbage or something. Uh, Something along those lines. It's not terribly interesting, but definitely keep an ear out for that if you go and watch that footage. And the last thing I want to say is, again, so much of this episode is Carl getting hung up on. I mean, uh, I should count by the end of uh, by the end of this podcast episode, I'll count and let you know how many times poor Carl gets hung up on. I mean, in this case, I don't feel bad for him. He's cold calling some high school acquaintance at two in the morning, like over 20 years later. Uh, that's kind of weird. But in the cases like with the Aqua Teens, I don't feel like he deserved to be hung up on in those cases. But here... Uh, I'm not going to complain about it. I also forgot to mention our voice actress on that was Amanda Marks playing Donna there. And this little segment here has gone on long enough. And Amanda Marks actually is going to pop back up in the episode. So I'll wait to tell you more about her until later. But that was definitely Amanda Marks. We can see her in the the footage. And then I went and verified just by pictures of her online. I know that's Amanda Marks doing that voice. We'll see her pop back up again. So we'll get into more of her work later. So now we're going to cut back to the Aqua Teens, and they're in a hotel now. We see Shake, he's laying on the hotel bed, and Frylock's in there just kind of talking to him. Shake's just laying there watching TV. There's some small visual gag where we see, basically the way it's set up is, again, Shake's on the bed, Frylock's in the room. We have the door open, and we can see they're, they're evidently on, like, the second story or something. Because Meatwad in the background, he's outside of the room. He jumps up on this railing, he starts dancing, doing his classic Meatwad dance, which we haven't really seen, I don't think, at all this season until now. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. But we see Meatwad dancing, eventually he falls off the railing and falls down. Uh, but but Frylock's going on about how he wants to meet chicks, and then if he meets a chick, he's going to take her back to the room and have, you know, dibs on the room. Shake doesn't like this, so he's going to push the bed out the window. Like, he'd rather just there be no bed, I guess. And the last thing I should mention is that Shake, he's got a terrible sunburn, this being, I guess, the, the predecessor to the Colin movie film where he gets tanned there. We see him, he's just a horrible sunburn with a sunglasses mark, conveniently devoid of sunburn right on his face. Oh, it's so nice to be watching TV here. Uh, well, Meatwad and I are gonna go down to the clam bake. Yeah, that's fine, you do that. I'll watch this and learn how to bake frittatas. Look, you can watch TV at home. I know, but it's exciting to know that I can watch it here too. (laughs) You know there's girls down there, right? Yeah, stuck up girls. They know where to find me. I'll tell you what, just so everybody knows, and let me just say this. If I meet me one and I get my groove on, you might just end up sleeping on the beach, man, because I'm getting the bed. Go get the bed. Okay, so a lot to dissect here. First, I'm going to address the meat wad thing. 
I just love, this is the animators just having fun with it. And this goes back to, if you listened in on the Craig Harton interview, he mentioned how over time, they got more efficient at making the show, which then allowed them to do more animation things within the show that you wouldn't see, say, in the first season. And we're seeing that here. This little meatwad bit of him just dancing around in the background, having fun, then he falls off is not needed at all. It does nothing for this conversation, but it's just this fun little thing that they were able to go back and add because they got better at animating the show, and, or I should say more efficient, which allowed them to have the time to do a little visual gag like that. But to shake here, first of all, he's watching a TV show. To me, it looks like he's watching Vegetable Man from the fourth episode of the series, Mayhem of the Moon Knights. Although the audio is clearly different, I don't really know what the audio is supposed to be. Uh, it's pretty nondescript, but it looks like he's watching Vegetable Man, I'm pretty sure. To the hotel room, it's very detailed and to that gritty reality that Bob Pettit spoke of, where there's water damage on it. This looks like one of the cheapest hotel rooms that they could find, which, you know, given their financial situation, makes sense. And the interesting thing is, okay, so Shake is laying on this bed and there's like a, a comforter that's purple, there's multiple pillows on the bed, but when Shake pushes the bed out the window, it's just a plain white bed. Like, it looks somewhat similar, but there's only one pillow on it, there's no comforter on it. It's possible he took the comforter and pillows off to sleep on himself, but yeah, the bed he pushes out the window is not the one that he's laying on. And additionally, it raises the question... Are the three of them sharing this one bed? Like, what is this sleeping situation like? You would assume it's a two-bed situation with Shake having his own, and I would suspect Frylock and Meatwad sharing a bed, but it seems like there's only one. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, Bob clued us in on this background here. He said, The hotel room makes a later appearance as Shake's hotel room full of guitars and chicken and beans which is season nine, episode two. Bob goes on to say, but then I'd repainted it at a higher res. Even by the end of the original series' run, there was actually no software yet available that would believably up-res a standard def Photoshop file. By the time of the first movie, I'd repainted all existing backgrounds three times as media resolutions increased. So thank you to Bob for that, that connection here between this hotel room. We will see down the line years later in Chicken and Beans. I went and watched the episode again, and sure enough, yes, it's there. Not like I doubted Bob, but it was fun to go back and see the same background just done in way more detail. And something I forgot to mention earlier that Bob clued us in on was that when we were looking at the yearbook, Donna, we saw her later in the episode Multiple Meat which is Season 7, Episode 9, Donna later shows up in Frylock's wedding announcement as his teenage bride, Brittany. So, yet another example on the mountain of examples of recycling within Aqua Scene Hunger Force here that we will see going forward. Again, thank you to Bob for that. I really appreciate him taking the time and even answering basically questions I didn't even ask him because I didn't even ask him about the hotel room or anything, but Bob... He's a great guy, always willing to discuss Aqua Teen artwork, things along those lines. You can find him, of course, on Twitter at Pettit underscore art, linked in the description. If you're not following him, what the fuck are you doing with your life? I gotta be honest with you, one of the main reasons I check Twitter these days is just to see what Bob's posting there with his uh, continuing series of Aqua Teen behind-the-scenes artwork, so check 
that out. But back to Spacegate World here. Frylock, we saw, he wants to go out. He wants to have a good time. Shake is uh, impeding that. Shake just wants to watch TV. I don't blame him. Like, on my honeymoon, I was in beautiful Belize, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And after, like, so many days, I was like... Just kind of want to chill out, man. Like, this, is, this is getting to be too much. So I can kind of empathize with Shake a little bit here. From there, we're going to cut back to Carl, who is sitting again in the chair in his living room. And this time, he's got the pants around the ankles. He's not peeing into a can, though. Between his legs here, he's holding a couch cushion. He's on the phone. He's trying to get down to business. This call will cost $9 a minute for the first sexy minute, then $12 a minute for every well, 30 that... dirty seconds. No, I will not accept charges. Let me take this to the office. Before Carl takes this to the office, it's so weird. He's like groping this couch cushion while he's on the phone. But I got a shout out, of course, Amanda Marks here. So she did the same voice as Donna, and she's doing it here. And we can see that in the footage that accompanies this episode. So we know it's her. And to some of her other credits, she was in an episode of Squidbillies back in 2005. So a year after this episode comes out. And then she also plays the, the demon creature at the beginning of Matt Malero's TV film Stiff which came out in 2007. So Amanda, she did stuff within the Aqua Teen world. And speaking of stiff, I'm sure we'll cover it on the Patreon at some point because it's made by a lot of the same Aqua Teen people. But when we see Amanda in this footage, it looked almost like she worked just like at Cartoon Network because she's sitting at a desk by like a computer and stuff. I, I assume that she was like a production manager, but I'm not seeing any of those credits here. So not really sure what's going on with that. Hopefully we can learn more about her in the future. But yes, that is Amanda Marks here uh, doing two characters in this episode, Donna and the sex hotline operator. So Carl is taking this call over to the office because he doesn't want to pay the exorbitant charges for this sex hotline. And his office is the Aqua Teens house. We see him go over to the Aqua Teens house. He's back there. Uh, he's sitting on the Aqua Teens green chair Pants around his ankles again. He's groping and, like, making out with his couch cushion while, again, sitting bare ass on their chair, I have to assume, which is absolutely disgusting. But this is cut short because a new character that we've never seen before, Rudy the Robot, is going to be there, who, I guess, is the Aqua Teen security system. It's kind of this nondescript robot with a, uh, like, its face is, like, or its head, rather, is a monitor, and we see this kind of computer face drawn on there. Is this a reference to Lord Conti? I doubt it. But Rudy is played by Matt Malero, and according to Dave in the commentary, Dave says that we'll see Rudy again, and that hopefully he'll be back in future episodes, although off the top of my head, I don't recall him ever coming back, so I guess we'll find out as we continue to dive through Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but I don't think that happens, so... I found that interesting in the commentary, but yeah, Rudy's going to bust in here and I guess do his job. He's going to make sure he's going to get Carl to knock it off. For every 30 dirty seconds. Ooh, <laughs> did I say seconds? Yeah, hell yeah, I'll accept charges. No, no, wait, 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 no, it's me. Whatever, go ahead. <laughs> 
so that is Rudy the Robot flying away. He's like, I'm telling, I'm telling on you. And first of all, I love every 30 dirty sections you get charged. It's like, instead of seconds, it's sections. But the funny thing here is that Carl's like, I'll accept this call in the office because he doesn't want to pay the charges. He goes over to the Aqua Teen's house, but he's seemingly still using his own phone because it's that white phone that we saw at the beginning of the episode, which is the same phone that Carl was on in the previous clip when he's trying to call the sex hotline at his house. And now he's using the same phone. So, like, it doesn't matter if he's at the Aqua Teen's house if he's using his own phone. I expected him to be using the Aqua Teen phone, but that's not the case. But regardless... He didn't really get to charge up their their phone at all because Rudy immediately busted him, which, hey, good on Rudy, doing his job. At least there's one uh, somewhat competent character in Aqua Teen Hunger Force, although we'll see if that holds true throughout the rest of the episode. And I should mention that when Rudy busts Carl, he previously had his pants down, he was, you know, macking on his cushion. The second Rudy Rudy's there, Carl just stands up, his pants are back on, the cushion is gone. I just love it. But before we carry on with the episode, I do want to jump back into the accompanying footage of them recording this episode because there was supposed to be a moment where Carl did reach a sex hotline worker and it seemingly was another man. Howdy, Stallion. Why don't you take those pants off and get comfortable? I'll be right over there and sit next to you my freshly shaved and oiled new body. I thought, uh, wait... I got the wrong number here. Hold on a second. Is this Carl? Basic studies. Eastside High School class of 81 rules. I totally sat next to you. Oh, <laughs> gross. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. So I guess Carl was supposed to get through to some old classmate of his. Um, they didn't keep it, I think, for obvious reasons. It's really not that funny. And as far as I know, we're two for two of Dave doing these kind of gay characters that get cut. If you'll recall back to the second episode of Aqua Teen and of this podcast, where the character of Dingle was Dave yet again doing this kind of gay elf voice that ended up getting cut just because I think it's funnier that that character only says feet and seemingly uh, they felt the same way. So not a huge tragic loss here, but worth playing nonetheless because uh, Carl was supposed to talk with somebody. But yeah, it's just like it just kind of convolutes things. It's like it doesn't really add anything to the episode. From there, Carl's going to start to hear some uh, woman's laughter. So he will follow that over to Frylock's room, where he's going to see some sort of strange portal. And visually, it's not super complex. It's just like two rods with some bluish electricity between it. And then a woman's arm is going to come out. So Carl's going to walk up to it, and it's going to kind of stroke him, and it's going to rip literally all of his skin off revealing just just his raw musculature. And then at the end of the clip, we're going to see the creature that did it on the other side of this portal. It's some sort of weird little demon thing. Its right arm is the same woman's arm that we saw. Its left arm is this like really gnarly kind of orange crustacean-ish claw arm that has this spinning top it's, it's holding on top of it. The creature itself is blue with this kind of scary looking face and it's on a unicycle and the wheel is a skull and with its woman arm it is holding now just basically a skin suit made of Carl's flesh. <laughs> oh, who's back here? I pray tell. What the hell is that thing? Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, you want some there? Feels good. Whoa. Hey, wait, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> the amazing mongrel, ladies and gentlemen, the mongrel. So that is Dave Willis doing that announcer voice. In terms of the woman giggling, I have to assume that is Jennifer Stevens who is credited on this episode. Although again, like I said at the beginning of the deep dive here, we don't actually see a woman doing this. We see a man jokingly doing this in the footage. But Jennifer Stevens, she did a lot of production work on Aqua Teen Hunger Force, specifically from 2019 to 2012. And she also did production management on the likes of Metalocalypse, Super Jail, China, Illinois, other Adult Swim shows, alongside having some credits peppered amongst the likes of Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, and more. So I'm assuming she did this part, and understandably, maybe she didn't want to be filmed while she was doing it, just this kind of uh, stereotypical, almost anime giggling. I don't really know. I would have guessed that this was just from like a sound effects pack. But again, Jennifer, she's credited on the episode. I don't know who else she would be because the three other women credited here, we see them doing voices and we can confirm who they are. So I'm guessing this is Jennifer Stevens here. But a very gnarly, just just de-skinning, de-suiting, I guess. If, if getting your hand skin taken off is de-gloving, this would be de-suiting of Carl. Gives me flashbacks to Hel the Hellraiser films, which of course Matt Malero worked on the third Hellraiser film. So this just gives me those vibes. And I like that this seemingly mundane episode then had this incredibly gory moment that was like horrifying. And that little demon too. And in the the footage accompanying this where they do the voices, that's when Dave Willis, he just kind of said, he like seemingly ad-libs Spacegate World. And then Matt Malero cuts in like, oh, that's the name of this one. So that's where they get the name from. Look, I don't know what movie this is referencing. I have to assume they are referencing a science fiction film. So if you know, please let me know. But in terms of the actual reference, I don't know here. Of course, Matt Malero being a huge horror film fan. But again, I love the twist that this took. And it will come back to this too. It's not like just this random violence. It will loop back to it at the end of the episode. For some comedic relief now, we're going to cut back to Florida, back to the Aqua Teens and see what they're up to. And they are at a restaurant. I, it looks like after close, and we'll see that throughout the clips. And we have Shake talking to a woman here who is voiced by Kim Manning, who is just an OG at Adult Swim. She is currently the vice president of programming at Adult Swim right now. She's been there for a very long time, since 2002, and she voices Gerald Ball Z in Matt's show Perfect Hair Forever. And any Frisky Dingo fans, she served as the visual model for the character Valerie. But she's somebody who's just always been around, been involved in Aqua Teen, almost from the ground floor. She's doing the voice of Amber here, and you'll hear her chewing. She's supposed to be chewing wings on her vacation. And we can see in the footage that Kim, she was chewing on a bagel while doing her lines for this one. So she's supposed to be chewing on some wings. These wings being assets from the episode Super Trivia alongside the crumpled napkins with wing sauce on them. And the joke here is that Amber, she's eating too many wings. She's supposed to be like this chubby girl. I think she looks fine. I think she's just enjoying some wings on her vacation. But Shake, he sees things differently. This is good. You're pouring them down your throat. You know, if you chewed them, it would make them a little more enjoyable. 
Look at you. You don't care. Come on, Sal. Fryla's trying to get him some down there. Be good wingman. I would, but she won't let me have any. I'm afraid to get my hands by the plate. She might suck them down. Whatever, don't go. Ah, you drove her away. Fryla, let's go. I like Shake saying that Meatwad drove Amber away when he's sitting there just berating her over having some wings. And I have to assume that Amber probably paid for these wings, so why the fuck is she supposed to to share them with Shake? But as we heard, Frylock, he's trying to, you know, get it on. He's he's talking to a woman. And the woman that Frylock is talking to, she's got some sort of neck brace situation going on. This big halo thing around her head. And uh, she's got this very long drink. It, it's like a purple drink. It looks probably pretty good. I bet it's a, a good time. But she's trying to drink it with a super extendy straw because she can't bend her neck. And because of that, they have her drawn with hairy legs because obviously she can't shave. Now, I'm surprised here. I mean, maybe this is her choice. And if that's her choice, then then fair enough to her. But if the joke is she can't shave her legs, I'm surprised that her friend Amber didn't shave them for her. But But yeah, maybe she just wanted the natural look. So we're going to head over to Frylock and the girl that he is talking to. Shake's going to walk up. They're going to talk about Amber leaving. We will hear whoever is running this restaurant, who is played by Dave Willis. He'll be telling them to kind of wrap it up and get going. And then Rudy will come in at the end of the clip and kill the woman that Frylock was talking to. Shake, uh, we're, still, uh, uh, we're still talking uh, here. Uh, thank you so much. People, let's go. Where's Amber? I... I can't, I can't turn my head. Hopefully throwing up some of the food she was jamming down her throat. Did you see it? Shake. She finished the meat, and then she turned on the bones. Get out of here. I need to go check on my friend. Wait, wait, wait Stacy, Stacy, Stacy. What? <clears throat> I mean, uh, <laughs> let me uh, get them digits, you know? <laughs> um, let me give you my cell. She was robbing you. Was she robbing you? What, my virginity? No, not anymore. I don't think go so. Home. And, and I'm not a virgin. I never was. I mean, I was, but I... I, I just get the f*** out of here. Hey, y'all, check this out! They selling fireworks across the street! <laughs> Josh? Hello? Okay, so a lot going on there. You heard Meatwad there. He had some Roman candles. Most of them were stuck in him. He was holding some. They're shooting off everywhere, and they set this whole restaurant on fire. Rudy flies away. The other guys just book it out of there. This being a more uh, particle effect modern fire than our typical Hanson Space Ghost fire. Poor Stacy, though, getting killed by Rudy. And she was actually going to give Frylock her number, it seems like. It seems like she was kind of into him. But she got killed. But Stacy, when she was alive, was voiced by Lisa Willis, Dave Willis's wife. You may know her as creating Aqua Teen voice actors Max Willis and Sadie Willis, who who we've ran across Max already in our previous episode. But we'll see Sadie a bit later on. So cool of Dave to get his wife in here. And we can see her holding a little baby Max in the footage while she recorded this line. I'd love to talk to her at some point on this podcast, or or Matt's wife as well. Just like, what is it like being married to these crazy guys who make these insane shows? But obviously, she's got a good sense of humor playing along here. I think she did a great job. And I should mention that Lisa Willis here is the Lulu that we see referenced at the beginning of the show. There's some graffiti that says Lulu. And we see her name used throughout on certain products that, that Bob Pettit would do. This is actually her only credit on Aqua Teen on IMDb. Of course, there's an asterisk there because, as we know, it's possible she pops up later and the credits are just wrong. Speaking of which, the credits on this episode are a mess similar to Hypnoderm. 
I said at the end of that podcast episode I was going to try and correct those credits. I did not because I can't remember my freaking IMDb login. But I'm going to try and get in here too because the credits here are a mess as well. Which on this episode, there's really no excuse considering we can see the voice actors throughout the episode. So I don't know what the deal is. The last thing I want to mention about that scene is with Dave Willis doing the voice of a worker. And we see like the lights flashing and stuff. Just like, go home, like he wants them to leave. And this is a good example of Aqua Teen really having just stellar and and creative sound design to make it seem like more is going on than really is, because we never see any sort of worker character on screen. You would assume in this situation, the worker would come up to the people and say, hey, look, you got to get out of here. They, I assume, couldn't afford to do another character, so it's easier just to have a voice saying, hey, come on, wrap it up, while they flash the lights with this sort of like special effects work so just cheaper ways and more innovative ways for them to have more seem like it's going on than really is on the screen which is fantastic so from there we cut to the aqua teens house and we have frylock and he's talking to rudy about what was going on and you know why rudy had to show up and kill stacy with this gatling gun that was uh, sticking out of his chest Standing right here in your living room, getting ready to rob him, using your phone to make his long-distance calls. He was robbing you of long-distance. Okay, Rudy, thanks. That is why I flew all the way down to Panama City. Okay, okay, Rudy, you. Rudy, Rudy, thank you. But it was, it was quite a long trip, and I... Okay, I, Rudy, okay, Rudy, Rudy, <laughs> thanks. Okay, you did a good job. Yes, who's Okay, had to keep that Meatwad clip in there. It was just impossible to cut out. We'll come back to that, but... Uh, to Rudy again, because I kind of glossed over his look. He's like a humanoid kind of robot. He has arms and legs. He has this uh, cylindrical head with a little screen on it. You can see his digital face. There's a light bulb on top of his head. As I said, at a certain point, his chest like revealed a Gatling gun that came out. Uh, he can fly with flames shooting out of his feet. A uh, little interesting character here. I love it because he's literally just a plot device to kind of wrap up this episode because the, the first two-thirds of this episode are really just about Carl at the house with the dolls and then the Aqua Teens on vacation. And, and at a certain point, Matt and Dave, I assume, were like, look, we got to get these characters together or something kind of has to happen here. And Rudy is the catalyst of that, kind of merging the two, forcing the Aqua Teens to come home because Carl was in their house, you know, making some inappropriate calls. Even though, as I said in this podcast... It didn't really matter because Carl was calling from his own phone. But regardless, the Aqua Teens, they are back. Meatwad is back. He's going to come check in on his dolls that are, remember, burnt to a crisp. You did a good job. Yes, who's back? Come on, everybody. Green Park. <laughs> Boxy, what's wrong? Don't you ever leave me with that fool again. I'll slit you up the middle. Okay, Boxy. Okay, nothing, mother... Did not feed us. I, I, I will. I will know better next time. He peed on me, bitch. Frylock, get him off of me, please. <laughs> he peed on me, bitch. <laughs> Meanwhile, of course, you know, Frylock, get him off of me, please. This being reminiscent of Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary in Season 2, when he's like, oh, look out, he's got a knife. When we see visually Boxy's just stationary sitting there. He never moves. So very silly there. I love the callback. And I want to take a second to say... Uh, I said it a million times, growing up, I had the volume two and three disc, which comprised the season two of the show. So I was familiar with Boxy in those episodes. 
I was not really familiar with seeing him here, Boxy being one of my favorite characters as a kid. So it was a delight to really deep dive into this episode and get this new kind of Boxy Brown content that I wasn't as familiar with. It was such a treat. But of course, the underlying thing of this episode is the dolls were supposed to be looked after. Instead, they got doused in gasoline, then they got set on fire, then they got pissed on, and then they had to endure Carl for however many days as he lived this just pathetic, lonely existence that he leads. And speaking of Carl, why don't we check in on him and see what he's up to? Remember last time we saw him, he got his skin ripped off, and he'll still be in Frylock's room. Shake is going to point out he sees some bloody footprints... They're going to go into Frylock's room where Carl is there, again, no skin on, and he kind of refuses to move. He's in so much pain that he, he really can't move. And this clip is, is our last clip of the episode. I can't really cut it up, but there's a lot of action going on here, so there's going to be a lot to tell you about. First up, something I haven't really mentioned since I first mentioned it is that Shake still has sunburn. In fact, his sunburn seems worse. So in our previous scene where we saw him, he still had that sunburn. He still has it now. He has, uh, I don't know, like some sort of, I don't know, boils or something coming out of him, but he's got really bad sunburn. We'll see that there. Meatwad's going to see Carl and run up and try and hug him. That's going to put Carl in a lot of pain because he's got no skin. Shake is going to go up to the portal in Frylock's room. That same woman's arm will stroke him and then rip Shake's skin off. But he'll actually kind of not mind it because his sunburn was so bad. What's going to happen after that is that Rudy is going to kill Carl with the Gatling gun. He's going to say, oh, he was trying to rob you. And then the episode will end with Meatwad pointing out, oh, you know, that guy, he points at Shake like, oh, he took my wallet. And then Rudy will kill Shake as well. Huh? Look at these red footprints. Oh, my God. Uh, really, I would leave, but every time I try to move it. It really hurts bad. Carl, we missed you, boy. Come here, give us a hug. No, 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 no. Okay, okay, Carl, okay, okay. I'm trying. It's just, you're sticky. Whoa, this girl's copping a feel here, huh? Hey, you want a little feel? No, shake, shake, no. Oh, God, no. I think my sunburn's finally gone. So welcome back there. How was the, uh... Was he trying to rob you? No, Rudy, he wasn't trying to rob us. Where is my what? He took my wallet. I got the what now? <laughs> so that is the end of Space Gate World there. And I like seeing Shake all like in his musculature form that I guess he has muscles like everyone else. Poor Carl has been waiting here for who knows how long. It must have been at least a day where he's just, he tried to escape, but he's just incapacitated. Weird to me though that he would walk his way out to the hallway and then evidently turn around and go back into Frylock's room because we see footprints and like bloody footprints in the hallway. So I'm not really sure what the story behind that is. I love that we really don't get an explanation as to what this portal is, where it came from. Uh, you would assume Frylock knows about it. He doesn't seem surprised by it, but I like that they don't dwell on it. It's again, just a plot device to just move things along a bit and, and make things happen and give us some jokes, some, some violent jokes in an otherwise not really violent episode. And I just love that last minute joke of, of Meatwad getting Rudy to kill Shake. Just a great end to the season. And yeah, that is Spacegate World. An episode similar to Hypnogerm in that it doesn't really focus on the Aqua Teens, even though they're in it. But this time, focusing on Carl rather than an imaginary play. So, before I give you my thoughts on this one, I want to give you Dave's thoughts. Because he kind of gives us some of them 
in the commentary. So Dave says, we are trying to do an episode where it didn't involve the Aqua Teens once again, and we realized it was really sad and tragic to spend the whole time with Carl. Dave then goes on to say, not that it was a bad episode, but it's so much toilet humor. It's at the end of the season. We were scraping. So I can't say I completely agree with Dave on the fact that there's so much toilet humor. There's some, but I didn't feel like it was an overabundance of it, really. I felt like we got all kinds of humor here. We got, like, silly nonsense humor, especially with with Meatwad writing all that stuff on Carl's house. Then you get the great joke of Carl, like, after we thought he read it, he's like, so what the fuck does this say? (laughs) We get that humor. We get the violence with, like, ripping Carl and Shake's flesh off and also with Rudy killing people. We get the toilet humor with Carl with, you know, farting in the pool. We get him just being a gross guy. There's all sorts of really great humor on display here. I have to commend this episode for that. So I guess, you know, that's Dave's thoughts back in 2004, 2005. My thoughts now, this being yet another episode that I didn't really know ahead of time. I had seen it, but I didn't really pay attention to it when I did see it within the past few years. I don't think I ever saw this one before uh, the 2020s, I guess. But I really enjoyed this one. I thought this was another fun one uh, with a nice reprieve from the Aqua Teens. Not like I necessarily need a break from them. But it was fun to see what Carl's up to and to see how kind of lonely he is. It gives us some insight on how even though he puts up this exterior of, I don't care about the Aqua Teens, we see he kind of does because he was pretty dang lonely and bored without them. I like seeing the Aqua Teens when they go off on their own. You know, we saw this uh, notably in the third episode of the series, Bus of the Undead, when they went on vacation to Memphis. And we see it kind of here and there, but I like seeing them going off and trying to do this kind of normal thing. They're just trying to go on a Florida vacation, maybe meet some girls and just have some fun. It's it's great to see them try and do that and kind of fail at it themselves. It kind of shows that not only does Carl need the Aqua Teens, but the Aqua Teens kind of need to just be back home with Carl because otherwise they're living kind of a sad life outside of that because, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess they were at the beach. That was nice. But everything else we saw didn't seem to be that amazing of a time. I thought the pacing on this episode was very good. Nothing felt like it dragged. We got a a lot of nice just back and forth between what's Carl doing? What's the Aqua Teens doing? What's Carl doing? We just got to go back and it just kept the episode moving along and feeling fresh. I love that we got to see, they just just straight up drew Matt Malero as himself with a guitar, (laughs) delivering some some fast food to Carl. I wish that we could have seen that character more just because I think Matt as himself is just this hilarious deadpan guy. So would have loved to see more of that, especially I wish they could have fleshed out the whole penis and the noodles bit. (laughs) I love where that was going, but I understand that they probably couldn't get it to work. Of course, something I say about Aqua Teen a lot up until, I guess, this season was kind of like a complaint, not really a complaint, but just pointing out that there were really no women on the show, which, as I said before, I kind of defended it by saying, well, it makes sense that these guys don't really have any women hanging around. But it was nice in this one to get a bunch of different female voice actors on it. Just gives us a different kind of episode than we normally have. And you know what? Speaking of voice actors, if I could mention, I love how much Matt and Dave we get on this thing, man. Like, not, like, besides the Space Kataz, which has Ignignacht and Ur, who they play, and I, I'm, I haven't looked into it yet, but I'm assuming one of them plays the delivery guy at the beginning of the bit in Space Kataz. Uh, within this episode itself, we have Matt doing Rudy and himself <laughs> as the delivery man. 
Dave doing Carl, Meat Wad, the announcer voice when we see that demon thing. He plays like the the guy working at the restaurant. It's just fun to see them doing all these different kind of little voices throughout the episode. It's a very good time with that. I appreciated that. And to jump topics, I told you I would tell you the total hang-up count on Carl here. It's only three, not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. I wasn't sure if there was more uh, later in the episode that I had forgotten about. But still, poor guy gets hung up on three times throughout this episode. Although again, one of them I can't really feel bad about. There's a lot to love about this episode. I mean, compared to the monolith that is the last one, the end of season two with all the villains coming back... I don't know, I feel like it's maybe falls short because the scope isn't as grand, but on its own as an episode, I really did like it, and I can't really find anything wrong with it. I feel like, you know, maybe once Rudy is introduced, I'm not as crazy about that, although I understand why they had to introduce him to wrap the episode up, so makes sense to me. But all that having been said, this really being my first kind of exposure in a, in a meaningful way to this episode, I gotta give it... Four and a half cans of piss out of five. I really liked it. And honestly, over time, I could see this one being bumped up to a five out of five. In comparison to Hypnogerm, the reason I gave Hypnogerm a five was because I liked how it was like this grander scale. I liked that they did something completely different, but in my opinion, pulled it off. This being more of a run-of-the-mill Aqua Teen episode, which is not a knock. That's what a lot of people prefer. But I appreciated, for example, back to the last one in season two where it was this huge scope, this crazy episode, and we got that again with Hypnogerm. We didn't really get that here, which again is fine, because for what it is, I think it's an incredibly solid episode. I really enjoyed this one. I think it's a very good end to season three, because even though it's not this huge grand scale, it is a different kind of episode. We've never gotten this Carl-centric of an episode, so it was great to see as much as I would have liked if the episode continued on with just this run-of-the-mill slice of life, Carl trying to, uh, you know, entertain himself while the Aqua Teens are gone, I do like the way that it ended, and I thought it was a fun time. So, really no serious complaints about this one. A good ending to the season, of course. I will be giving you my overall thoughts on this season when we do our season retrospective at the beginning of July, so look forward to that, but, uh, a sneak peek here. I liked season three way more than I thought I would based on what I knew of it. So excited to get into that. It's been so fun covering this season. It just surprised me basically every step of the way outside of Unremarkable Voyage, which I found, as you know, pretty unremarkable. But I guess that is it for me this week. Thank you for talking teens with me, hanging out, talking through all season three with me. It was a real treat to get into my first full season of the show that I wasn't as familiar with as I was the previous ones. And it makes me excited to keep going because this really just blew past my expectations. And I'm going to end here with my season three talk because I don't want to spoil things for the retrospective. So again, thanks for hanging out with me, for listening. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it over on the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden linked in the description supporting the patreon directly influences how much time i can spend on this podcast and how much looking ahead i can do to reach out to matt and to reach out to bob pettit and get us these kinds of exclusive answers 
that I think are really fun and make it so much more fun to dig into. So thanks again for another successful season of deep diving through the show. Again, throughout July, we'll be taking it a little easy, although I will be on this feed every week with something new for you. And I suspect we'll jump into season four once August comes. And then remember, in the fall, we've got the new season of Aqua Teen coming out. I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves here, but I'm excited to get into that as well. So thank you so much to Bob Pettit, Matt Malero, for taking the time to answer my questions about this one. Thank you, Empower706 and JD Do What Now, for upgrading their pledges. Thank you, Papetto, for signing on to the Patreon this month. Again, we've got more shout outs coming. I just don't want to do more than three. That'd be a little excessive. So in the meantime, thank you to our Highlander, Nick. There can be only one. There's only one season three of Aqua Teen. There's only one Nick. Thank you for being a super supporter of the show. And for our other super supporters, our number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, Jason, Carl, Lesheraton69, Empower706, and Shinsuke. You guys can watch my dollies any day of the week. I'll see you all next week when we're talking about Space Kataz over on the Patreon. Until then, keep it cool. Take it easy. Don't call your high school crush at 2 in the morning. Bye-bye. We have The Grudge pulling in a spooky $39 million this week, which actually breaks Freddy vs. Jason's record for the highest weight, for the highest weight, for the, for the, (laughs) for the highest weekend debut for a horror film.